1: You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
0: For all new and current subscribers, welcome back to Resilient Love.
1: Resilient is being able to overcome difficult situations. This podcast
0: is about love, Love, tips on life, and how to level up in your business. Let's get started
1: on the journey. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Resilient Love. Um, As you know, our January series is about small business, big mindset, and we have a special guest another native of Kenton, and he's actually a graduate of North Carolina at, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and he has a background in retail and sales, but look, I don't want to give away the whole bio, because I want him to have his opportunity. So we can have you, come on, Mr. Ephraim Yates.
2: Well, hey guys, thanks for having me on. Glad that, I'm glad to kind of be a part of the series, and I'm uh, looking forward to chatting
3: with you all. Awesome.
1: So I will let my husband start off
3: with the first question. Okay. First question is, uh, tell us about who you are and what you do.
2: So as you guys said, my name my name is Ephraim Yates, and uh, I am a Kingston native. So uh, a little bit about me. i I'm a uh, graduate of the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, go Hills, even though that's not saying a lot right now in the way our basketball team is uh, sucking up the place, but, you know, we'll, we'll hey, get better hey. about that. <laughs> you know? it's, not, it's not looking too good for us this season. But um, UNC grad, uh, I'm married. I'm a husband and a father, been married for seven years. My wife and I, we have a five-year-old daughter who's going on 15 and she keeps us busy but um you know through all of that we find time to you know run businesses and be parents and be husbands and you know we're just trying to kind of you know make our mark in the world so to speak but you know looking forward to you know kind of chatting with you all
1: well that's awesome oh. Um... And so with that being said, what would you say, because, again, our topic is about small business, big mindset. So what is your foundation or interest that led to the start of your business? And, you know, we could talk about the photography first and then your new endeavor.
2: Okay. So um, I guess to sort of start with your question, I would – my foundation or interest, if you would, that led to my starting business, you almost have to sort of go back to the beginning. Obviously you guys can probably relate to this, but, you know, I was raised in Kinston, North Carolina, you know, small town with, you know, just a little bit over twenty thousand residents. And so, um, you know, you coming up in an environment like that, uh, my mom is a native of Kinston, born and raised, but You know, I was born in the Northeast in Pennsylvania, but, you know, once her and my dad's marriage split, we moved back to Kingston at a young age. So, as you can imagine, coming from a two-parent home to all of a sudden being raised by a single mom who had three small kids, that, uh, you know, changed things pretty quickly for us, right? So, you you couple that change with, you know, moving from a two-parent home to now you're living in the housing projects and you're in a violent neighborhood and, you know, you you kind of grow up fast, right? Life is tough. You know, it's, I always say Kingston's just a little bit different, right? So,
1: right. you know, I've had – you
2: know I've had, I know
1: you can literally compare contrast from Philly life to Kingston life.
2: Wow. So, you know, it's and so with that, you know, you, you grow up and you have friends, you know, who are murdered, you have family members who, you know, are never getting out of prison, and that alone gives you a foundation and a drive and ambition to make something happen, right? you You know, when you have younger siblings who you are responsible for, you know, for me, that was sort of the thing that first gave me, sort of that drive if you will that I had to do something different right because it just wasn't a lot of other options for me you know where we grow up if you you know if you can't play basketball or you're not a football star a lot of times you know people think there aren't a lot of options but for me I can remember as early as you know age 6 or 7 realizing that you know my family needed me and so you know, instinctively I just sort of realized even then that I, I would be the one to sort of help them at some point in my life, right? And so, yeah. you know, being in that small town, you know, I set my sights on college very early as I just saw it as a very practical way out aside from just, you know, having the slim chance of being a superstar athlete, right? And so I was <laughs> fortunate enough <laughs> that doesn't happen, right? You can't teach. Six eight and two hundred and fifty pounds, like LeBron. Right, they just don't make those every day. And so I had to, <laughs>
3: um,
2: you know what I mean. And so I had to kind of find another way. And you know, college really just seemed like a good option. So, you know, I worked, you know, really hard. Got into a great school at UNC, and to, in many ways, that was probably one of I like to say one of the best decisions I made because it just truthfully opened my eyes to so many possibilities, right? When you come from a small town that, you know, Kinston's over two-thirds African-American, you know, really small, close-knit community, and then you go to a college where it's a predominantly white institution and it's a culture shock in many ways, right? And so in some regards I – you know, felt out of place, right? Academically, I knew I'd find my way because I was a hard worker and I studied and that sort of thing. But socially, UNC was a challenge for me, right? I knew I'd feel out of place. I can imagine. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I knew I'd feel out of place somewhat socially, right? Just changing, being around sort of. You know, African American people 99% of the time to now I'm in this completely different space where people don't look like me. They're not from the same neighborhoods I'm from. And, you know, that I sort of expected, right? I, I expected that to be different. But I think what was really interesting about my UNC experience is I wasn't quite prepared for the black students to be that much different than me, right? So I'm coming from a place where, you you know, like, Quentin, you mentioned we were talking that, you know, you worked in manufacturing. And, you know, in Kinston, that's what a lot of our parents did. If you didn't work at manufacturing or you were a postal worker or you worked in, you know, you worked on the police force. But when I got to UNC, all of a sudden I met these these brown people who their parents were doctors and lawyers and engineers. And so for me, it was a shock to meet black people who came from a fluent background. So I was not prepared for that. So that culture shock. Right. And so, so but what that, but what that did is it really sort of said, Oh, wait a minute, like this, this is something that, that I can do. And so, You know, I'm this kid on campus coming from Kinston, and my mom couldn't even afford my UNC application fee, right? Like, she borrowed that money so I could apply to college. And, you know, I have roommates and friends who, you know, parents are for all intents and purposes, you know, upper middle class and wealthy. And so, you know, it really gave me that foundation and helped me to sort of, you know, open up my perspective and understand what was possible, and, you know, from there, I just sort of, you know, decided, you know, had to really make a way, you know.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Like, just to understand that factor, because a lot of people, they don't discuss how even interacting with someone of the same culture or same race, there can still be some differences and perspective shifts that help you to grow and be better. So that was that was a good perspective for us too. I like that point. I haven't heard that point a lot with people, uh, especially yeah, going to a predominantly white institution versus me. You know, I went to a HBCU, so I continue that 99% of the time. <laughs> yeah, for, it's,
3: it's
2: it's different, you know. It's, and it's you know the the you know the ones of those of us who did go at UNC, you know, relative to the rest of the population, we all kind of knew each other for the most part or knew of each other, right? And so, um, you know, UNC in that regard was a good foundation, right? But I would say my life after UNC kind of gave me the real education that helped me in business and taught me how to hustle, right? So, you know, after I kind of got my first job and, you know, I sort of, I moved away and I lived in Dallas for some time where, you know, I moved to a place literally 1,000 miles away from home where I had no friends, no family, and I sort of put myself in this position where you kind of have to sink or swim, like you are your safety net, right? <laughs> and so, Ooh,
1: you know, that's really, a good point, yeah.
2: And, but I, I really, you know, I told, I told my mom and I told my family and, you know, my my wife, who, you know, she wasn't my wife at the time, that, you know, when I graduated school, I wasn't going to restrict myself geographically because I really, you know, needed to kind of place myself in a position where I could meet mentors and that I could have an opportunity to win. And so, you know, living in Dallas was really great. I started a career in retail and you know, I just, like you said, learned how to hustle. I mean, I would referee. I would have a full-time job where I worked 40, 50 hours a week, but then I would referee basketball games on the weekend because I was able to get extra cash to save for my wife's engagement ring. Or, you know, I read almost every book about stocks that I could get my hands on, and I met mentors who just really cared about me and were selfless and, just poured into me because, you know, they saw something in me that they wanted to share their knowledge and foresight with, and so, yeah, UNC kind of was the start, but, man, the time since I left college has, I mean, it doesn't even compare to what I've learned about myself and what I've learned about business and money, so.
1: Yeah, that that transition after college, a lot of people don't talk about that because they give you this american dream of get the degree and it's going to be this and some people's storyline does go that way and and you begin to as we already said begin to grow into who you are like you say develop more of an understanding of where you want to go in life so that's really good mr dallas did you yes. actually go to a cowboys game or that wasn't a part of the agenda at that time no
2: i, I didn't go to a, i'm more of a basketball guy so I did oh, okay. go through quite a few math games, you know, so that was kind of more my thing, you know. I, I was more of a basketball junkie, which, you know, coming from Kingston, you can understand that. Ball is oh,
3: kind yeah, of like
2: where so. we're from, you know.
1: So, <laughs> right.
3: That that was definitely very interesting. Um uh, Our next question is, That now that you are a your pie franchisee, how was your process to becoming an operator of a great company, and how did you how did how did you decide that your pie would be the piece of the pie that George Jefferson was talking about? <laughs> That's funny. So uh, I
2: mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Franchising is something that I've just always been interested in. I'll probably say for at least the past five or six years, I've sort of diligently been researching various franchise models. You know, um, it's always been an attractive option to me because while every, I don't know a business out there where there isn't some risk of loss, right? That's the nature of sort of entrepreneurship. There's always that possibility that you're you know you're going to lose or this venture can could fail but what i really like about franchises is that they provide a proven system that's been repeated many times over and not only that they give you a infrastructure and a built in support system that can be the be the difference between you winning and losing right and so when you have a team of people who are familiar with the various aspects of how that specific business run and has been repeated, you offset many of those risks, even though ultimately it's still on you, whether it succeeds or fails, right? And so, you know, with your pie, that was one of the things that just really intrigued me is that I thought it was a simple concept and, you know, it fit into what I wanted to do in terms of being a franchise owner because I just believe franchises are a really great way to sort of get into business, do it with some sort of safety net, and then you can sort of use that to grow your portfolio further, you know, if you're successful. Yeah,
1: that's pretty good. Um, I've thought about, like, I guess you say, like franchises being a franchisee myself, Um, so when I – Began to learn more about you and your pie. It was like, wow, a kid from Kitson, It's possible. It's possible yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, with that being said, uh, what at what point you know during your time, your journey from us from Kitson to USC to Dallas and all the places in between. At what point did you say? I need to go bigger. I need to expand.
3: Well, I'll,
2: I'll be honest. I I never considered small. And this is going like to sound, you know, is, you know, I, I, for me, I always knew that small wouldn't help me achieve the goals I have for myself and have for my family so even with the franchise model, even when I was researching them over the last, say, five or six years, I've always sought opportunities that could allow me to own more than one location because, again, I part of what I believe fundamentally is that you have to earn enough money and be successful enough to take care of yourself. But if that's all that you earn, how can you possibly leave something behind mm-hmm for the people who are coming after you, right? And so for me, part of the reason why I wanted a system that would allow me to have a multi-store deal is because I believe in the long term, it's just better for myself and for my family. Now, of course, there, that means there are restless nights. Right now I work seven days a week, 80-hour plus work weeks. And, you know, I've had to sacrifice time at home with my wife and my five-year-old, but I never considered the alternative of small because I know that I'm building something for my family that's ours, right, and no one else has a stake or claim to it. And for me, that's just a different type of grind and a different type of energy. And And the stakes are much higher, but the rewards are far greater, right? And so for me... I need to expand and I need to grow because the purpose and the reason that I feel I'm here is to do just that. Like, I have to do more than I could use in my lifetime so that my nephews and my siblings and my parents can also benefit from some of the things that I'm doing. So small just isn't an option. Like, I have to win, and
3: I work wow. this hard. Oh, because Oh, that's good. You know, it's definitely good coming from where we come from. <laughs> Small is out of
1: options. Like, you might as well put that as your hashtag for the rest of the year. Small is out of options. <laughs> you know, I just
2: don't you know, I don't I don't know any other way, you know, it's just you know, for as long as I can remember it that's just you know, been it's just, it's just been my my mantra that, you know, I don't I, one of the things that I talk about with my younger brothers a lot, right, is, you know, in order to pursue this, like, our last name has to be more important than our first name, right? And so, you know, and that's why, I like, generational wealth and, you know, you know, wealth building and legacy is so important to me because the only way we'll get ahead as a family, as you know, as a culture of black people is that we have to be selfless enough to do things that we may not necessarily reap all the benefits from, right? Like everything I'm doing now, my daughter is going to probably reap much more from this than I will, but it's worth it, right?
1: Yeah, most definitely. And I know she loves that pizza.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Funny enough, it's funny you say that. She, like, no lie, she's kind of discovered this, and I'm not just saying this, but my wife took her to a local Your Pie, and she ate there once, and then about every week for several months, whenever I picked her up from daycare, we had to go to Your Pie. You know, and it was like, all right, I picked her up from daycare, and where do you want to eat? And then she called it Your Pie Pizza Place, right? So she always wanted to go to Your Pie Pizza Place, and so, you know, that kind of just made me think, well, she's a picky four-year-old. She really loves this place, right? And so that kind of made me take my dad hat off and start, you know, putting my business hat on. And obviously, from there, you do the due diligence. And that was about a 10 to 12-month discovery process of just speaking to various franchisees and speaking to leadership and meeting them and, you know, really kind of digging deep. But Ultimately, your pod just won out because you know, I just felt a really great product, and they had a team that seemed genuinely excited about having someone like me, who looks like me, who comes from where I come from, be a part of what they were built. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, we gotta give we gotta give baby girl some credit too. So good job, baby girl.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> shout out to August. all right?
1: That's what's up, August. <laughs> uh, so we got one more question for you, Ms. Yates.
3: Last sure, question: that's good. Uh, What are three level up tips for anyone in in business or your specific area of expertise? All right. So I would say the first,
2: the first. Tip I would give anyone who wants to level up or is looking to sort of improve their life is you know I would say this, and you probably should lead with this one is to find your why fact, and, and by saying that I mean really hone in on your purpose right so you know one of my you know one of my favorite artists Nipsey Hustle said, right? He said in the lyric on his song, find your purpose or you waste an air, right? And so mm-hmm. it, not to take it that literally, but to me, once you kind of know why you're here and you sort of settle that within within yourself, it really becomes a compass for you and it gives you such a clarity, conviction, and confidence to your decision-making process, right? So whenever there's a opportunity presented to me or you know i turned down i turned down really big paydays from corporations because it didn't align with why i was here right so you know i was sharing with a friend not too long ago that you know i turned down a job offer that would have been a really big payday for me while i was in the transition while I was in the process of transitioning to your path because it just didn't align with who I saw myself as a father and a husband. I would have had to basically reverse commute and live in one city during the week and only see my daughter during the weekend. And that just wasn't how I wanted to see my life, right? Because for me, family is one, I call it my top three, but there's family, there's wealth. And then, you know, there's, you know, my purpose, and all of those are connected. And so if one of those are out of balance, it doesn't work for me, right? And so I turned that opportunity down to take what seemed a lesser opportunity because the lesser opportunity was consistent with why I believe I'm here and the mark I believe that I'm meant to make, right? And so I think if, you know, you really hone in on that to start, it will allow you to level up because you'll learn that you have to say no to a lot of things to say yes to the things that are really important, right? So so the why helps you do that, and your why helps you focus on that.
1: Wow, that's
2: good. I got to get my top uh, three together. You know, I mean, it just, you know, you can't, you can't right? Like you, there's not enough time. We don't have enough time on this earth to do everything, right? So at some point, we do have to choose, and we, we just have to make a choice of where we're going to stake our claim, right, and that takes some soul searching. That takes you being able to say, what am I okay not achieving? Because if I don't achieve this, I'll really get the thing that I want to get, right? And so if I had to give, you know, a follow-up piece of advice to that, I would say, you know, this probably isn't going to be the most sexy advice, but I promise you, it is mm-hmm. probably the thing that changed my life the most financially, and it save your money, right? <laughs> now, yeah. I know, and I know that you know there are people who you know are listening to this. Maybe you know they're a single mom or you know, they're already working two jobs just to sort of get by, and they're looking at the bill, and they're looking at what's coming in, and they're doing their math and saying, how am I possibly going to save, right? Like, how's I barely got enough money to pay what I'm paying now, He's you're telling me to save, right? But <laughs> I, it's just, But what I'm what I'm saying here is that learning to save isn't about having a specific amount or building a super large bank account, at least initially, right? It's not about, I don't want this to sound elitist, for lack of a better word, or this isn't some like soapbox moment to tell people what to do with their money, right? This is more of saying that saving is about challenging your relationship with your money and it's really ultimately about changing our mindset towards money, right? so I just personally believe that a person's relationship with money can tell you a lot about whether they have what it takes to be successful in business or other areas of their life, right? because for me, I believe that saving or learning to save reaps a far greater return to us than the actual money that we get from it right so The same muscles that we develop in building a habit of saving are the same muscles that we'll ultimately use to propel us towards our goal, right? So if I could paint a clear picture, to save money or to reach a goal of saving, you have to sacrifice. That means you have to maybe not spend your money on the thing you want because your goal is more important. You have to learn discipline, and you have to develop that willpower to, again, reject what you want now for the thing that you really want, right? And so those qualities won't just help you level up in business, so to speak, but if you can learn how to sacrifice and be disciplined and reject things that do not contribute to the goal you actually want to get to, you'll not only level up in business, but you'll level up in any area of your life that you want to because, again, you've developed those muscles to do it, right? And I think, like, money is so important to so many of us, if you can get control over your money to where you're telling your money what to do and your money isn't telling you what to do, then that means that you've developed discipline to be able to duplicate that in other areas, if that makes sense.
1: Yes it does.
3: That was deep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, I get a little you know, I get a little bit uh but I you know, I just <laughs> I had a really
2: I had a really good mentor who kind of told me this you know over ten years ago, right, and he said something to me, and when he said it to me, I kind of was like, that's it, you know <laughs> like because it wasn't like this kind of three step program to be rich or this something that kind of sounded really good or was a good quotable if you will, but like when but the the when he elaborated. He kind of told me, and he's done very well for himself, but he said, you know, Ephraim, saving by itself doesn't make you rich. It's the opportunities that you can access as a result of having saved that might get you there, right? And that's true no matter what level you're on currently. So if you learn how to save, What ultimately may happen in your life is someone will come to you with an opportunity like a franchise or someone will come to you with a business or a stock idea that you can invest in, and because you've saved, now you can take advantage of it, right? And so that's why saving ultimately may get you there, right? But if you haven't developed that discipline, now when the opportunity comes, you can't take advantage of it because you don't have anything in the storehouse to use, right? So you missed that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, did you have any other remarks or any updates for the listeners today?
3: Um, I say on honestly
2: just kind of last quick piece of advice, you know, since you kind of asked me for three, I gave you, you know, finding your why, saving your money. And then the last thing I'll say is just when it all comes down to it, you know, the advice goes out the window and really it's just about hard work and I mean really hard work, harder than you've ever worked before, right? And I and I mean this in the most sincere and transparent way that I can say it, but at some point you just have to be able to go within yourself and find that other gear. Like there just comes a point when whatever idea that you have, whatever dream it is that is on the inside of your head and beating in your heart, you have to find a way to push that out, right? And the only way that dream is going to come out is if you work at it and if you do it because there comes a point where your support system can't help you do it your therapist doesn't have another piece of advice that's going to get you through. It's going to be you working on that thing and making it come to life, right? There just comes a point where you know, it's just going to have to come out and you're going to be the one to get it there. And I believe that's where a lot of the dreams sort of fall short that we have in our in our minds and in our hearts is we have a good plan and we have we are not short on ideas, but it tests the most strong willed person to have to work you know sixty days in a row before you get a day off right like that sounds kind of nuts <laughs> right
3: yeah but you know but
2: but like, I can tell you, you know starting this franchise between November first and January first, I took two days off and that was Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day. Right? <laughs> and so uh-huh. I'm not saying and I'm not saying that just to say as some badge of honor, but what I'm saying is that sometimes it takes that because if you're saying I'm in control of my success and I own whether I make it or not, you can't depend on someone else to get you across the finish line. It, it's the mentality of even if they stop, I'm going to keep going because it's just that important to me. So, you know, like, you know, one thing that Diddy says that, you know, a lot of people, you know, feel how you may feel about them, but, you know, one of the quotes I heard him, I saw him the post recently said that your new life will cost you your old one, right? And often we yeah. hear a quote like, we hear a quote like that and we say, um, We envision all the negative things that we're going to let fall by the wayside, right? We hear, you know, 2020, I'm going to do this, no more this. And that's all the stuff that's bringing us pain and heartache anyway that we want to get rid of. But What we don't consider is that we may actually have to, you know, pare back some of the things that are really dear to us and that we love, right? It may cost us some of those things too, Right. And so mm-hmm. that's when it becomes difficult, right? And that's when you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I built for this, right? When I can say, you know what, I'm working 80 hours a week now because I don't want to have to make this decision when my daughter's older, and when I, right? So I'm going to make yeah. this decision now so that I can have the free time later to give her all the attention she needs and then also the resources to be able to create Opportunities for her that I didn't have growing up, and so that's it for me. just you know work really hard, you know it won't be it won't be easy, but it'll be worth it and you know that's it.
1: Wow, I am just so glad we were able to talk. You have really empowered us, and I hope our listeners have been empowered today to know that. Small is not an option. So we really, really, really appreciate you, Mr Ephraim Yates. And um, any, uh where can we follow you? I know we can follow you on your your like page on Facebook, which I liked it and I like your pie. Um, but do you want where can the uh, viewers follow you or listeners follow you on social media? Um
2: I I have an Instagram page that uh, E84, um, I have Facebook page as well. I will say, I, you know, I need to do better about, you know, being a little more active on social media, but, you know, but definitely on Instagram and Facebook and then obviously, of course, you know, our Your Pie page. And, you know, i really love for you guys to come. If you're ever in the Triangle area, come check us out. Pretty good pizza, and I think you'll, you'll enjoy it.
3: It's on our list already. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: I appreciate that.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for your time, and we appreciate everything that you have given us, and we'll chat with you all next time. This has been another episode of Resilient Love. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Resilient Love Podcast. We wanted to take this opportunity to also let you know that you can help us by committing to a monthly fee of 99 cents, $2.99, or $9.99. Those contributions help us to keep this movement of resilient love going. Blessings to all listeners and subscribers.
3: Thank you all. Resilient
1: love.